94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. Joining me, and really for real, he is my co-host this morning because Esme is sick, is Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning, brother. Thanks for having me. I oh, no, it. not a problem. Uh, it's been uh, <laughs> every week is an eventful week. I'm going to leave the floor to you. Uh, let us know what's been going on. So lots going on. The the update, of course, the numbers real fast. We remained with a very flat curve, just three new cases. We're at 647 now, uh, lowest per capita in the country, basically, number of cases of COVID. And thank goodness, no more fatalities. So we continue to have the lowest mortality rate in the country, which is all extraordinarily important. We've tested now well over 50,000 people when you add antibody tests that they're sifting through. So our tests have also shown very low background of disease, which means that while we've had very little COVID-19, we also have very little immunity. And that's important to note as we head into the process of opening up our state again. Right. And we can we can have that dialogue for a couple of reasons. One, the hospitals are not being overwhelmed. We're at about 50% utilization of our hospital beds and only about 12% of our ventilators. So we have capacity if, God forbid, people got sick. Now we move to the phase because also 96% of the people have recovered from COVID. We move to the phase, phase of opening up inter island travel, opening up all of our businesses that are considered medium risk or, or less, and getting that all debugged before we ultimately open up for tourism, significant tourism from the mainland. And we can talk all about these things. I think people are pretty interested in them actually because. Uh, that's where it's at. We have to look at our economic health now that we've gone through the physical health part. It seems that we're being really, really careful. Uh, and you expressed some concern about that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? For sure. Um, well, we, we're being super careful, which cuts both ways. It's very good to be super careful. If this were to go on for a very long period of time and people didn't go out for their regular needs, like you know, pediatric visits, you know, routine visits for for women's health care, all the stuff. If we didn't do that, we could end up seeing more negative health consequences than even the virus has caused. I think that's what the specific comment is. And that's a big problem. We have to open up, but we have to at least first open up very, very safely internally. And so when I, you know, said what I did the other day, uh, which was that we were probably a few days past already where we could have opened up, I wasn't trying to be offensive. I was being literal. Like, because the risk is extraordinarily low, the the, restric- the restrictions and the concerns that we're going to cause problems with health now are outstripping our regular needs. Like, we need to get people getting mental health care because the suicide rate's gone up. We need to get people out and about because conflicts are, are increasing and we're seeing more domestic violence. We need to do all of these things. And I don't take it lightly. I'm getting phone calls and and texts and emails daily, many of them actually, that express exactly that. So the, um, the concern is real and uh, that we're going to have negative consequences from being in lockdown. And I don't yet, I don't have any remaining concerns about travel in between the islands. That's why we're all kind of trying to nudge the governor a little bit to make sure that we, I'm not going to say don't worry about it because we have to be very you know, sensible and have great protocols, mm-hmm. but don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good for this first phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, with this little viral load, we're not going to do anybody in by allowing travel between 
Maui and and Oahu and so on and so forth. Right. What we have to be focused on is what happens when mainland travel resumes. Yeah. Uh, well, I think also too. There is concern, at least on my part, uh, with regards to the testing and the tracing part of things, um, because you know they, they keep talking about nationwide. We don't have enough testing capacity. Uh, we don't have enough tracing capacity. Um, and I know that is probably the biggest weapon we have in making sure that people are uh, being safe and uh, that we know where this thing is. Um, yeah. I know that uh, again. Uh, my my kid's pediatrician was saying that the hard the part that he's been finding, and he's you know he's like you, he's a doctor. He's saying it's it's yeah. hard to find information that's credible, uh, information that explains. Okay, so uh, of the people who are asymptomatic, how many of them have spread the coronavirus? Versus people who are symptomatic spreading coronavirus. I mean, that kind of stuff. He said, simple stuff like that is is getting uh, hard to find. It, it's really hard to know, right? Because you hear different reports ranging from uh, the number of people that are the percentage of people that are asymptomatic carriers of the disease and therefore spreading it without knowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that number is felt to be around thirty five percent of all people that with COVID are totally asymptomatic, but they can spread the disease. Okay, and let me, let me tell you a little story about that. People are saying to me, well, well, Doc, how, how is it that we haven't had cases for two weeks or 10 days of any consequence in Kona or anywhere in Big Island? Then we get one in Hilo. H- how would that happen? It doesn't seem to be any connection. Mm. Well, what's been going on in that circumstance is there were a couple cases around somewhere. People were asymptomatic or they didn't go get health care because they weren't feeling so badly. And Maybe they didn't want to actually even get the test. There are some people who don't want to get the test because they don't want to be into a formal, you know, 14-day no-get-out-of-jail-free card kind of mm. uh, quarantine, right? Right. And so, but if they're asymptomatic, you know, just being out with somebody or having a visitor or their family member gets it. So it, it, it's been extremely low. Like I said earlier, 15 cases in the last uh, 18 days, okay? So... Mm totally low numbers, no matter how you slice it in the state of Hawaii, but some of those cases happen. And you see this, this phenomenon of having asymptomatic carriers is an issue for us because obviously once travel resumes, say mid-July, which is the likely time that travel from the mainland and other places around the world is going to resume, and we'll have a very good uh, comprehensive multi-layered system of screening, talk about testing in a minute, hmm. at the airports, but let's assume that 35% of the people are asymptomatic carriers. Look, one of the cruise ships had 80% of the people that were positive were asymptomatic. So 80% was a huge number that just came out in the study yesterday or the day before. So of those 35, that 35%, we, we don't want to see a significant number of people travel and not just not even know it, that they're positive. So anything we can do to reduce that number is what I'm promoting, Mm -hmm. which is why I often have, have talked about, Let's just get a basic test within three days before travel, that travel with Aloha concept. Mm -hmm. And that won't be perfect, but some people may have such a low viral load, even if they're positive, it doesn't get detected. And others, I suppose, could catch it the day after they got tested. But the purpose is to greatly decrease missing cases. And so that's the goal. And so we will work on that. I've worked with CVS already. CVS uh, our partners with HMSA, and so they have a relationship with Hawaii, a very deep one. They they are already getting a proposal together because they have a thousand sites across the country to test, uh, including some here. 
and they can double that. We've talked about it. I spoke with their chief operating officer. That might be just a simple additional layer. I'm not trying to be, um, you know, I'm not trying to be too prescriptive about this pro- this process. Whatever keeps people from being positive with the virus in Hawaii, I'm for whatever that means. But mm-hmm. this is one way to give us a lot of assurance that we are doing all we can. And I think it'd be very good for not just reducing the disease, but increasing our our um, kind of confidence and and the respect level between travelers and our ohana. So mm-hmm. that's all of the pieces that are moving around. And it takes a lot to make these things happen. They're working really hard, uh, the Gov's team and, and me and, and the airports and the Department of Health. I mean, everyone really is working hard at this, but some of these things have not been done before. Mm-hmm. And that makes it an additional challenge. Hmm. Uh, Kumukokua, we are here with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Uh, he's kind of given us the COVID-19 update uh, for the state and kind of what's been going on. So today in the news uh, is the extension sure. of uh, the 14-day visitor quarantine uh, going beyond June 30th. Uh, can you give us some insight about that? Yes, I can. I, see, I think what's going to happen is I, I believe the governor in, in the next couple of days, my guess is Monday or Tuesday, will give us a definitive date the final date of when inter island travel can resume. And as long as people are screened at the airport and we will do that, check temperatures and, and make sure everyone's okay, that they will not have to have quarantine. So that'll take care of the inter island and without kind of giving away any state secrets, <laughs> which are not even clear completely, we are still working out the dates for, for return, uh, the final dates for return to travel from the mainland. The, the usual process is to allow for two viral cycles, you know, to see that we haven't had a big surge and nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. It's super conservative. I'm not going to lie, but it, um, it's the safest road during a pandemic. And so that would suggest that would suggest that about July 15th would be when we would have all the processes in place to resume tourism without quarantine, provided people were fully screened. That's my expectation. I think you know, everyone understands the nature of how difficult it is to deal with this pandemic. Uh, the problem that many of us are suffering with is that we want a little bit more certainty and clarity. Right. And, you know, regular folks just say, okay, show me where in the calendar I should prepare for and I'll make my plans. Uh, and I get that. I agree with it. In fact, when you deal with government and other government agencies and the national government and all these things and airports divisions, it, it becomes a little bit more challenging. I still think we should have a calendar, though, and uh, even if it has to be adjusted, it would give people a little bit of, um, you know, they, they feel good about it. 94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We are happy and proud to have Lieutenant Governor Dr. Josh Green here with us, uh, kind of catch us up to date on everything that's uh, COVID-related. So thank you, Lieutenant Governor. Appreciate that. My pleasure. Got to get into something that happened over the weekend, right? I mean, we had Memorial Weekend. People were thinking, oh, no, there's going to be get-togethers. And boy, were there get-togethers. Uh, yeah. We had a whole bunch of people having parties, all kinds of stuff like that, uh, which obviously is something that we don't recommend for people to do. But, you know, it's I think it's hard for people to sort of uh, correlate the idea that we have this low viral load with why can't we all yeah. go out and have our own lives? So... It is. Can you help people with that? Yeah, I can. um, Well, one thing that's important and that I've been expressing to the attorney general and the gov and everybody is that um, some in some ways, 
look, it's to be understood how, how fluid the situation is. So it's really hard to keep up on for everybody uh, what the recommendation should be. But now that we feel comfortable that the, the actual risk is very low internally, we need to be um, consistent when we describe what state we're in. Mm. And so people have been persistently concerned about using the language, uh, the stay at home order or the safer at home order, which is what it became. Mm-hmm. Because now, as you know, we can go to retail shops. So obviously you are not in a stay-at-home order if you can go to retail. And many businesses are open, so you're not in a stay-at-home order. So it has morphed into an act with care. But I think it would be better to have just total clarity and simply say the stay-at-home order has been lifted. However, here are the things that you need to do. And, and let me try to say that as directly as I can. People, when they go out, they should still definitely wear masks and socially distance. No question at all, because it's a good habit for us to be in until we know that the COVID crisis has passed over the world, that it's gone. And so there's going to need to be some extra responsible behavior and careful behavior. Two, the, the opening of all the businesses that are medium risk is a good sign. But again, it doesn't mean that we, we are totally out of the woods yet because we're we have another big variable that will ultimately be introduced, and that is that people will begin to travel to Hawaii again. And when that happens, we once again need to be very careful so that if we are providing care to them or if we're providing services to them in the, in the, you know, the hotels or at the airport, we are going to want to be protected. And so that's what you were seeing uh, a reflection of when the, uh, the hospitality workers uh, did their caravan, which I respect. You know, mm-hmm. because they they were making a point that they want to make sure they have PPE and that people are tested properly and screened properly before they come to Hawaii. So it's very it's a proper show of concern. Heck, if I was going to be exposed to people traveling from New York and California all day while they throw a virus, I certainly would want to know uh, if I'm you know, I'm not exactly getting rich working in some jobs <laughs> and and you're being, ex- you know, exposed to viruses that can hurt. Um, it's uh, it's it's pretty risky, you know, Mm. so they deserve, um, they deserve that kind of consideration. Mm. So, uh, so there's a, uh, there's a big concern there. And the other things about it is that people just need some clarity. They really need greater clarity in, in life because they've been kind of pen, you know, penned up at home and you can't just indefinitely say, you, you know, you're going to burn through your savings and we don't know when or if you'll be able to send your child off to college. We have to give some certainty because even if it had to be adjusted later by two weeks, people will then know, okay, at least I'm within striking range. I know whether or not I'm going to need a loan. I know whether or not I'm going to have to get loans for my, my daughter's college. I know better whether or not I'm going to have to let these five workers go from my drive through restaurant. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, um, are really necessary. And so I'm, I'm going to be vocal about that with, with the gov and others that we have to communicate much better. The reason I do a lot of, of these shows is at least I can give people an understanding, a general understanding of where we are. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could give the exact dates. I don't want to offend the governor because he does have very hard decisions to make, but I also know that people need to have at least some semblance of understanding of when this ends. Right. 
Right. Um, thank you. Once again, we're speaking with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green here, talking about COVID-19. Now, um, do you foresee us lifting the 14-day quarantine for ourselves, for, for residents returning here? Or will it be like, if you're coming back from Georgia, if you're coming back from a specifically hot area, um, you know, you're going to have to do it here to the 14 thing, the 14 day thing. Whereas if you're coming back from someplace that's got a low viral load, it might not be as bad. You know, it might be okay. Is that what we're looking forward I to? Or? I don't think we're going to have that kind of nuance. I think mm. if you go to the mainland or anyone, anyone who's traveling back mm-hmm. is going to go through the same process. And I think the process will, uh, will include a lifting of the of the uh, quarantine. I do mm. not think anyone coming in here is going to be quarantined once we have the system up fully re- running, which mm. I believe is mid-July. Okay. And, and, and that, so, so what that will mean will be you, you will still go through the full process as though you're a traveler or a tourist or whatever. Because look, if you spent a week setting one's daughter or son up in college or even a day over there, if there's, if there's a much higher rate of infection, you could catch it. So yeah. you go through the process. Um, in an ideal world, we will have, first of all, we will measure everyone's temperature, we'll measure uh, symptoms, and if anyone is, is of concern, they're going to get a, a test at mm-hmm. the airport, if anyone actually needs that. A lot of people will not light up, because they'll either be in the early disease state, or they won't have fever, they'll take Tylenol or whatever, so mm-hmm. it will only be so good. That's why, in my opinion, and as testing becomes much more available, I think that's going to become a part of the standard. The best places, the very best places are going to invest in both a time fashion and money fashion. They're going to invest in rapid testing and they're going to test everybody before they depart. And if you test positive, you're going to be asked to go home and wait till you're better. Mm-hmm. So you're not positive, positive again. Mm-hmm. That's the real right way to do things. And is the world ready to do the right thing? I don't know yet. Uh, it, it probably the technology is not right there where we have full capacity to test as many people as we'd like. So we have to rely on some of these more ambiguous signs, like fever, like shortness of breath, like cough, and so on. It's it's pretty reliable, but it's not nearly as reliable as we'd like. I'm having the guys model this so that I can express to the governor and the director of health and others exactly what our risk is, mm-hmm. exactly based on based on percentages of disease in all the different regions in our travel algorithms what what our risk is with and without testing and then we will you know i'll be vocal about it and share what what the risks are and we can all adjust that way that's as, that's as, as transparent as i can come up with okay. a plan and i think that uh, i do think this is a long answer to a, a direct question <laughs> people will be able to go to the mainland and come back without quarantine you'll just have to go through a really rigorous screening process at the airport. So probably a screen. So what you're saying is probably you'll get a screening before you leave. You'll get a screening before you come back. And then once you hit, yep. once you hit the tarmac here, you'll probably get tested again, or they'll at least be tracing you to make sure that you're not having holding a viral load or something like that. Right. That's kind yeah, of what will happen. Is you'll, you'll, you'll be checked for temperature yeah. for a fever. Yeah. And, uh, there's a few other things that can be done to, to decrease the probability that you came in hot. Mm-hmm. with an infection mm-hmm. and then finally uh we you know you will share your your email or your um cell phone number whatever they finally determine so mm-hmm. that you can be you know so that we can do kind of a broad text message or check-in to make sure you haven't been symptomatic suddenly okay. so uh, all those things are meant to decrease the risk and they'll do a pretty good job 
as you know, I would really greatly prefer that we all drop a few bucks before we travel uh, in or out of Hawaii so that we can be safe travelers and mm. that we, we demonstrate that, that amount of consideration mm. and that we ask everyone else to as well. Um, Lieutenant Governor, just curious, have uh, since the COVID-19 has sort of uh, revealed itself, have you found anything new? I mean, anything new about the disease itself? Uh, new, not new so much. There's there's this ever-evolving understanding of what the virus is. Mm-hmm. It was quite scary to see that the, the pediatric syndrome emerged, and that was, a, you know, an eye-opener for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an inflammatory situation. It's, um, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a very fascinating situation and quite, quite scary for us because now we're looking at, uh, as of today, 5.8 million people globally have been infected and 1.7 million Americans, which with over 101,000 fatalities in America alone. So we're now the epicenter of the disease. And when you get to these larger numbers, one and five and 10 million, it has more opportunity to change and shift. Uh, the very good news is that the numbers have been pretty stable and I do believe they will burn out quite a lot in the summertime. I, I think that it will become less of a day-to-day, you know, terrifying concern through the summer. Mm-hmm. And we just are going to have to be on our toes because then the world starts feeling a little no- more normal. You'll walk around, you'll see people with masks on, but people, it's amazing how people have a capacity to roll with the punches and forget. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to remind ourselves, oh, I'm feeling crummy today. I don't get to just kind of blow it off. This time I have to stay home if I'm feeling crummy this year, if I'm feeling a cough, come on, or I have a fever, because COVID is a lot more disconcerting and dangerous than the flu. And I know some people will dispute that. They're wrong. It is more dangerous, for sure. The fatality rate is much higher. And and it's very infectious because we have no immunity to it. We don't right. have a flu shot to protect right. ourselves. So it's a, uh, you know, it's just a, a little bit of a new world. The good news is, though, come 2021, it will probably not be a big deal. Probably. It will okay. probably be in our rearview mirror. And the, the, the bigger challenge will be, oh, gosh, I'm still digging out because I had to use $20,000 of my family savings or I had to find a new job. Right. Uh, you know, I really know people are hurting. So I I think that's the bigger thing. Mm. We are here with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, and uh, I know we only have you for a limited time. So I want to try and make sure that we get to some of the good stuff, because there have been some sure. good things that are happening uh, with regards to the, the work that you've been doing. So could you share that with us, please? Yeah, thank you. Um, the, the most important immediate thing is just if people have a little extra need, we are starting a free clinic uh, called the Aloha Free Clinic. It's in Kalihi. It's going to be at um, 2055 North King Street, and that starts Monday. So uh, people can come in and have a quick visit if, if they've lost their insurance. Zero money to pay. No, don't bring a penny. And we can fill people's prescriptions and check them out if they haven't had a checkup for a long time. Do basic things. Uh, and Jim Ireland and others, um, Hawaii Pacific University and Five Minute Pharmacy, and so many allies and friends. Uh, are really helping us and we have over 150 volunteers already signed up so for three months we're going to run this free clinic and do basic checkups for chronic disease and we can do telemedicine for people if you want to connect with us just go to aloha free clinic at gmail.com aloha free clinic at gmail.com 
and we can work something out just to help you uh, as you go through this. So that's a, kind of a nice thing that the, the guy stepped up on. It's amazing. Uh, a friend of ours, Kevin, is generously covering the rent. I mean, it's amazing from, yeah. a, from Islands Hospice. So that's awesome. And then uh, other super benefactors, just amazing people uh, that, that it, it's just hard to believe, donated 752,000 masks. A gentleman named Mr. Graves, uh, who was lucky, I think, enough and smart enough to start Uber when it started, hmm. they started a thing called Hawaii Operation Mask, and we, we pulled together a million dollars and bought 752,000 surgical-grade masks from a, a guy who was willing to, to charge us less out of China, and we distributed these masks in mass. Uh, 255,000 masks went to Kauai yet last night. Uh, Chad Buck flew them over, and the Air Patrol for Coast Guard flew them over to Maui, 60,000 masks yesterday afternoon, and they're going all over the state. So that's about three to six months of extra masks for for immediate health care. And, and if, let me say something nice, too. You know, Mayor Caldwell has done some awesome stuff. He's done great things with the Hawaii Food Bank. And, you know, all the mayors are, have been doing really good humanitarian things, too. So lots of people stepping up, Gov. It's just a... There's, there's this sense that of crisis, and it's really there. Uh, but but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be forgotten that everyone's trying to do their part. And then the regular citizens' generosity, amazing these many weeks. Esme, unfortunately, not feeling well, but she still has questions for you. Uh, she was asking about bubble tourism uh, as a concept. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Bubble tourism is where you pick an area, a region where they have uh, low risk, similarly low risk. In this case, Japan. And so if we go into a bubble relationship with Japan, then, number one, we have a close relationship with them. So if we happen to say, hey, would you mind getting some tests pre-travel, they'll do it, and we can reciprocate. It's about reciprocating and having an understanding about the protocols between the two parts of the bubble. And the risk remains very low because you're not bubbling in with somebody that's like a very high risk, obviously. Mm-hmm. So. Japan is smart because we get about 20% of all of our travelers from Japan anyway. 30% of all the dollars spent in from tourism in general are from the Japanese traveler, tourists. And then finally, 50% of all of the Honolulu tourists are Japanese. And we're very well equipped, of course, in Waikiki and here with our hotels and all the great work that, you know, Mupi do, is doing and all these other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's all valuable. And... The, um, the capacity to have that bubble would mean that we can actually open up with a little less, you know, risk. And there's other guys that are also talking about doing bubbles. Uh, there's some private folks that own large uh, hotel chains and are in conversations with our airlines to consider bubbles with uh, kind of like a, um, I don't want to say a concierge service, but like a, uh, a group. Say you, you brought three planes uh, a day in from an area in a in a bubble where we did extra testing and extra screening, but they came in because you were able to do that and someone created a bubble. So that's also being discussed. Mm. That's a little bit more complicated because when you do one with Japan, the governor can, can come to an agreement directly with uh, the uh, prime minister of Japan and they can work it out from their tourism agencies. That's the kind of thing that I think is very promising for us to get started sooner with bigger numbers. 
one yeah. other question she had uh, regarding this regarding public schools. Uh, she was curious about resuming sports and marching band. That one's kind of near and dear to her heart because she's a band geek. Any any idea uh, when you think those kind of things might be resuming? Uh, yeah, I think that when school resumes, and I think that I, my suspicion is that August first. I think you're going to start seeing calendar. Uh, kind of a consideration for calendar. And so when um, when school resumes, I think that, though I haven't heard the specifics on this, if we can socially distance well enough, they'll be able to resume. So, like, if a band can socially distance, it should be fine. And if at schools they set up a standard where there's a little bit extra distance, it should be fine. Remember, it's, it's a lot of this is predicated on whether or not we get another surge. And that's why, I know it sounds like a broken record, but... I'm so intent on going a little overboard with testing coming into the state mm-hmm. because that means we'll have fewer cases and everything else will follow in a more seamless and easy way. Whether it's band camp for ESME or uh, uh, you know the sporting uh, stuff, which I really love, you know the collegiate football and and high school football and and everything, or even just regular hotel behavior. If we know that there's 70% less risk that someone came in as an asymptomatic carrier, it's great. Even if we know it's 40% less risk, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. So all those things can open. And what I think you're going to see big picture, if I may, is around mid-June, we'll finally pull the trigger on uh, inter-island travel without quarantine. And we'll everyone should probably prepare to have a little extra time at the airport. And you'll go through. It'll be fine still won't be that many travelers because we won't have all of the mainland travel travel mm-hmm. going on. Then about a month later, we will open up to the mainland and maybe even sooner if we have a bubble that succeeds. And with low case rates through the summer, it will empower our superintendent of schools to open up so that our kids aren't driving us insane at home. <laughs> and, and then if the cases surge really in a bad way, we'll at least know it was a result of one or two variables that we can control and we can throttle down a little bit, uh, either travel or or we can throttle up more protections. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the, when the longer story is told about the COVID crisis, I think it's going to be more, it's going to have several levels to it. One, of course, is going to be the level of tragedy on the mainland and in mm-hmm. Europe. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Another uh, significant part of the story is going to be how resilient people were when everything had to change for the better part of uh, three to six months. And then finally, it'll be where our priorities change. And I think a lot more people are going to be like Hawaii, which is very giving to those in need. People are going to reestablish their uh, priorities in life because they realize how quickly so much can be taken away from you with a a serious risk. And, and it, it will impact, it will impact the way Americans think about things. You know, I think a lot of people who are listening right now need, um, they're going to need help. They're going to need a little bit of comfort. They're going to need, they may need a little bit of economic support. And and we've let people kind of be our second priority in some parts of the country for a long time. Not in Hawaii, really, but mm-hmm. in a lot of the country. And this awakened people to that. And I think that, please let me reassure people, please hold on. Please, uh you know, love your neighbors. Don't don't get into conflicts uh, that are unnecessary, and know that a lot of this is going to get better fast. Just as, as fast as it got bad, much of it will get better that fast. And 
a couple other quick things uh, before I have to go. Um, the basics, guys. If you need to go see your doctor, don't don't delay. We don't want doctors to go out of business and leave Hawaii. So if you need the health care, go get your health care. It's safe. That's why I got those 700,000 masks so that the offices and everybody could have them so they don't, you know, sneeze on you or you sneeze on them. Right. Uh, but I will make sure that the healthcare system has enough capacity if there's a surge or a crisis. And the Gov and their team will make sure that we get open at some point so that uh, that though it's been slow and, and a struggle, it has had to be that way for safety. Because the worst thing would have been to lose our kupuna during this process. Very, most definitely. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I know uh, every every week you kind of carve out uh, a moment, and, and we appreciate you uh, sitting down. And uh, I have to say, people talk to us all the time or call us all the time to, to say how much they appreciate you uh, you doing this and taking their time to they sit down and sort of listen to uh, to what you got to share with them every week. So we appreciate you doing that. Thank you. I'm, ha- I'm happy to do it. And, uh, you know, look, I-, I care about you guys very deeply, and uh, – we have even better news next week. I think you'll have a lot more concrete dates next week. And when you get to go to restaurants again, be a little bit cognizant of distance. But let's let's buy local and do local things and have staycations locally and support all of our businesses here, uh, especially while it's quiet and uh, we haven't yet resumed tourism. All right. Let's do what we can. Thank you. Once again, uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here, 94.7 Kumu on Kumu Kukua. It's Devin and Esme on the Rise and Drive on 94.7 Kumu.